Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hello, Chain Cycle Mamas. This is our final class. Sniff, sniff. Um, I'm really sad. This has been such an amazing class for me, but I was just talking with the early birds on the call about, yeah, we, sh- we need to do it again. It- it's just too good to let it go. So we'll do it again. We'll do, we'll do some version of this again. Um, and this is, this is our sixth and final class, and this is our wrap-up class. So today um, I'm hoping that everyone has brought questions that they've had on different areas of the change cycle. I'm hoping that everybody had a chance to kind of review um, the notes and whatnot to see if there was a particular, um, either a particular square that you didn't understand, a particular tool that you didn't understand, or perhaps it's as simple as um, still figuring out what which personality um, is most like you. So before we get into that, we will, uh, of course, uh, do our grounding. So everybody sit up tall. Uh, imagine that there is a string from the top of your head up into the ether, and that string is pulling the back of your head up so that there's a slight bow um, with your head, and your palms are facing upward. Your right palm is nestled gently in your left palm, and your thumbs are touching. And you're going to imagine that you've got this very vibrant root growing out of the base of your spine that is going to go all the way through to the center of the earth and root down in all that power in the core of the earth. And when you inhale, you're going to pull that power up through that verdant root into your soul into your heart. And as you exhale, you're going to let anything that doesn't serve you, any negative thoughts, any worry, any frustration, we're going to send that back down that route into the core of the earth to be burned up and used for fuel. So now let's together take three deep breaths. Inhale. Exhale. Let your breath make a sound. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. That was nice. I have been meditating today like some Sufi yogi from on high atop a mountain <laughs> somewhere in the Middle East. I don't know. Um, it's, been, it's been a little challenging, a couple of days here. And so 
um, it's wonderful for me to get those kind of crystal clear moments of what does it feel like when, you know, you're going from square four to square one. And I know Nicole said that she is in that space. Um, And my circumstance is that my daughter has a concussion. And my my beautiful, brilliant uh, energizer bunny of a daughter who is, you know, usually quippy and and uh, we play men- mental tennis all the time with see who gets to be the funniest in the room, has been sleeping. Uh, yesterday she slept oh, about 19 hours and she's back asleep today and she just doesn't, she didn't, just doesn't look right at all. So, um so that's a so that's a square four to a square one situation because here's the circumstance that has kind of it's not a you know she didn't pass out she didn't lose consciousness we didn't even know she had a concussion for a while um, but now I see it so so the shame sets in the shame of how could I not have seen that the child had a concussion how could I you know take her out to dinner and make her go to watch a volleyball game as a spectator when she was obviously rattled. I should have seen it. I should have seen it. And um, and and so what comes up for me, and this is, you know, back to thought work again, the, the thought that governed how I processed those circumstances, because it happened on Saturday, the thought that governed how I processed those circumstances is, Emily is not all in. Emily's not all in. And we've had struggles about her and volleyball and whether or not she shows up with her full, the full power of her energy and her intellect and, you know, her talent. She's very talented, but she does not, she plays volleyball for something to put on her college resume. She likes the game. She's, she isn't all in. But She's not all in with full consciousness. I say she's not all in, and I make it a negative thing because my way of being all in is different than hers. Um, and so when the circumstance happened on Saturday, I thought, eh, it's just Emily being Emily. You know, she's just not quite all there. She's not feeling it today, whatever. And I wrote it off. I knew she wasn't herself, but I wrote it off because, I, because of that thought. So the reason I bring this up for you guys is that our thoughts are very, very powerful. Our stories are very powerful. And we did the thought work last week, and I thought that was one of the most powerful calls I've ever had. And um, and thank you, Barbara. I see that you're on the line now. Thank you so much for showing up with uh, such vulnerability and and truth. It was a it was a big that was a big moment for me and I want to thank you uh, for that. Um, so today, what I what I really wanted to do was was sort of let you guys think about what is your story, what is your story about your relationship between you and your girl um, or your boy, and what is your story what. How do you approach parenting because of that story? What effect does it have on you? And, you know, my Emily is not all in thought had an effect 
you know, if I think if I had had a different thought, I, I would have had a different response. Now, would I have done anything really differently? Did it make a big difference? Maybe not. But I believe that, that was a, it was a great lesson for me to examine the shame that I'm feeling today and examine the um, kind of the freak-out position that arises out of that shame and realize that that's a choice. If the story is, I'm going to freak out because my girl has a concussion and, oh, my God, what might happen, um, that's going to shape the way my day goes. It's going to shape how much energy I have for the rest of my day. It's going to shape how much energy I have for you guys. And... That is not the way I want to use my energy. I want to use my energy in a way that is accessible. Um, I want to be flexible in my life. I want to adjust to situations. I want to be a master or mistress of the change cycle. And I believe that I am. I believe that I, I really do manage it very well. But when a big circumstance happens, it just it brings it up. So what I'm wondering is, first of all, are you guys bringing anything into the call today that is similar to my feelings of story? You know, I'm telling myself a story and it feels kind of crummy. Does anybody have any of that going on? I do. This is Kate. Do tell. Or in, or in Life Coach Speak, say more, Kate. All right. Well, um, I was started to tell my story that this is going to be a great year. And everybody's doing well in school, and everybody's adjusting. And on Monday, I got a telephone call from the school saying that my son got six demerits. My oldest child has struggled in school. Okay. I feel like he's come so far, but um, he's now upstairs in his room and not wanting to go to school today because he doesn't know how to manage um he doesn't know how to manage that kind of feedback or discipline. He feels defeated. Right. And my thoughts to myself are, is this kid ever going to get it? I mean, he's going to flunk out of school and get a GED. I mean, I just don't – I just wonder if he's ever going to go through life where he can take constructive criticism or, you know, feedback in a way – that doesn't make him feel alone or, you know, want to give up. And what's bad about him feeling alone, Kate? What's bad about it? Mm-hmm. Well, then he decides that he's not going to go to school. He doesn't. He doesn't make changes that need to be made when he feels excluded. Okay, so what what are the changes that need to be made when he feels excluded? And I'm not I'm not picking on you. I really want to get to the bottom of this thought because you've got a lot of story around this. You've got a lot of story that you know if your kid gets a GED, that means he is what? I just I want him to grow up to be a good citizen. Okay, I want him to be respectful. And okay, I, sometimes I wonder if he's he's ever not going to be so mouthy. Okay, and what is important about being a good citizen to you? Why is that so important? Because, I don't know, I guess it's heart-centered. It's about, you know, caring for 
yourself and others. It's ultimately about being, you know, being able to love, you know, being able to, um, you know, give back and, mm-hmm. you know, serve the world as opposed to just being a consumer and a taker. Okay. And is there anywhere in your son's life right now that he is tapping into that love? I don't think so. Okay. So is there anything in his world that lights him up from the inside? Yeah, of course. He loves to be with his friends and he okay. loves to be on the computer and he loves to do the things that he loves to do. But they're different than what you love to do. Well, they are, and that's okay. I I guess my difficulty with him comes in, in the fact that, you know, if he doesn't want to do something, he doesn't want to give back. He doesn't yeah. want to contribute in a way, you know, really in any way. Well, and and so my question is, is there a way, because I, and my, here's my hunch, you tell me where I'm wrong, but my hunch is that because he doesn't want to contribute in the way that you see as representative of a good citizen, then he's not contributing at all. Tell me where I'm wrong. Um. I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, there's probably definitely some of that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just looking at any contribution. Say again. I'm just looking at for any contribution. Yes. Yes. So, so my my thought is that if if there is a place um, uh, for your son to contribute. What do you think is the most important way for what what's the one that makes the biggest difference for you? Is it is it doing well at school or is it um having a connection with other people or is it, you know, getting his chores done? What what is the representative thing that he could do to let you know that he's making a contribution? Well, I guess um, around the house doing chores at mm-hmm. school, I, I'm I'm fine with my children at home or at school voicing their opinions. I just want them to do it in a respectful way. Mm-hmm. So um, contributions at home would be chores and, you know, setting a good example for his younger brothers as far as the way he behaves respectfully. Okay. Him. Which and specifically, what do you? How do you need him to behave respectfully? Um, that would be um, you know, keeping a good bedtime, being kind to his brothers, and in interaction with me, is to speak in a respectful way. I mean, really. I mean, with he could be such a good example by just being respectful towards me, which would be, um, not using foul language, mm-hmm. um, letting me know in advance when he needs things, 
being ready for school. I mean, I, I don't know. It just feels like it's all falling apart. Yes, it's all falling apart. There's a nasty thought. Let's work that one. It's okay. all falling apart. All right. Okay? Is it true? It's all falling apart. No. Give me three possible reasons that it might not be true. Um, I guess the other kids are doing well in school, and, you know, Andrew does get to school. Okay. Um, it could be worse. <laughs> it could be worse if... It's really not a a powerful statement, but as opposed to it's all falling apart, okay, I'll take it. It could be worse, but I I'd love to have because what what the the process of thought work, Kate, is to you've got this you've got this thought that's pretty entrenched, right? Yeah. Okay, because because you've you've had this thought before. This is not a new one, right? Right. Okay, so. It's pretty entrenched in your head. What we want to do with thought work is to wiggle it. Like imagine a baby tooth, right? And it, it, it really wants to come out, but it's not, it's not quite ready yet. What do you do? You wiggle it. So we want to wiggle this thought so, so that it's easily removed from our psyche because it's not serving us. So your other kids are doing well. Are you doing well? Um. You said you were doing great this morning. Yeah, well, I guess so. I'm doing okay, yeah. Right now it doesn't feel like it, but before mm-hmm. that phone call, were you doing well? Mm, you know, I kind of had a rough morning, and it's because of what you just said earlier. Our thoughts and stories are very powerful. Yes. And whenever I have this particular thought, yes. I, I can't function. Yes, I, absolutely. I can't function. I yes. can't get anything done, and I just want to cry. Absolutely. And that is the power of story. That is the power of thought. So let's look at it objectively. Let's pull back to a 30,000-feet 30, um, view, okay? So you're, you're in an airplane view, and you're looking down on this thought. It's all falling apart. Is there one example of a place where it's not falling apart. Besides, your other kids are doing well. Well, Andrew's doing well in soccer. Okay. And he's doing well in all of his other classes at school except for one. Okay. Okay. And one more. One more way that it's all falling apart might not be true. Uh, we're we're still talking to one another, and he's making progress. He's making progress, and you're and you're all steeped in. I mean, the the bottom line one that I always use is, "I'm a child of God." You um, know, that is that that baseline of, and you don't have to believe in God. You can believe in spirit. You can believe in in a universal love. Whatever you believe in that's bigger than you, you are a child of that force. 
And your children are children of that force. Do you believe that? Yes. I know you do. Okay. All right, so when you think that thought, it's all falling apart, how do you react? Oh, I just, my head goes all fuzzy and I just, I literally, I I, I feel like I'm a ping pong ball or like a, one of those things in the jukebox is, is that you flip the little, I'm just all over the place. Yes. I just, yes. I can't literally, I literally can't think straight and get anything accomplished. Okay. Can't get anything accomplished. So in effect, when you think the thought is all falling apart, your actions and how your how your body feels and how your mind feels is falling apart. Yep. Yep. So it is a and, and here's the power of thought work. It is a self-fulfilling prophecy. As long as you stay entrenched in that thought, you will prove the thought true. So I'm, I'm pulling out my magic wand, and I'm waving it, Kate. And all of a sudden, you cannot physically, mentally, cannot think that thought. It's all falling apart. doesn't exist. How do you feel? How do you react? without that thought. I'm not sure I've ever had the opportunity to think about it. Try it right now. Always go there. Um I just um I would just keep going on with my day and Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're imagining it. I want you to be in a world without that thought. This is not, you're not telling yourself a story right now. You are living it. That thought does not exist. Now how do you feel and how do you react? I feel um, freer. I feel more engaged. Um, I feel joyful. I mm. I can hear it in your voice. Inspired. Mm, great word. Um, you know, I don't know, just um, moving on and filling my purpose for the day. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Now, you can do that at any moment of the day. You can choose to turn that thought around to something that feels better. So let's turn it around to something that fe- that seems as true or truer but feels so much better in your body. So it's all falling apart. Grammatically, nothing's falling apart. Okay. Does that feel better? Yeah. Okay. Can you give me reasons? One reason why that might be as true or truer than the original thought? I think I need something in between for my brain to shift or move a little inch a little bit. Okay. Uh-huh. Let's, uh, here's, an, here's an interesting one. It's all falling together. Boy. Okay. Um, that's a good one. Isn't that interesting? Because yeah. there's just as much evidence of that. This is a journey for Andrew. This yeah. is a learning process. It's all falling together. 
Yeah, I like that. I like that one a lot. Because really, these are, you know, skills that he needs to learn, and he's in with a good group of people who will support him through the process. I love that. I just got tingles. Mm -hmm. And that's it. So the way to use the thought work is when that old thought comes up, it's all falling apart, you are saying to that old thought, hello, old friend, I know you're trying to motivate me. I realize that you are really benevolent at the very base, but it's not working. So now we're thinking a new thought instead. It's all falling together. And that seems ridiculous talking to your thoughts, but I'm telling you at the very first, if you've got an old thought that's very entrenched, you want to go through that exercise. Hello, old friend. I accept that you're trying to help me, but we're thinking a new thought now. Our new thought is it's all falling together. And I'd like you to write that down, Kate, on some Post-its and post it someplace that you'll see it often. And it doesn't have to be in you know, any, any place that your boys can see it. Maybe it's a private place that you see it, on the inside of a closet door, you know, um, in your wallet. Put it in your wallet. Someplace that you will see it's all falling together. Because here's the thing, you're not going to change your son's behavior from the place it's all falling apart. It's not going to happen. He's going to fight you. From the place it's all falling together, you can sit back and say, hey, I get it that you're frustrated. I understand. But you know if you stay home, it's not going to get better. It's going to actually get worse. So I trust you to make the right decision of what's the next best step to take. And if you need my help in doing that, you let me know. Close the door and walk away. That empowers him to make the decision. Then you can go take care of yourself so you're there as a support system for him when he gets ready to make that decision. That sounds scary? Yeah. Well, I know. Part of that, basically, if you stay home, it's not going to get better. But on the other hand, if what's the empowering statement for him? The empowering statement for him is, you know that if you stay home, it's not going to get better. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you have the power to turn this around, and I'm here to help you. But I can't help you without you taking kind of taking ownership of this because it's your life, honey. It's not mine. You're 16 years old. 17? 16? 16. 16. You're 16 years old. You know, in two years you're going to be in college or in the military or wherever. You know, whatever, whatever lights you up, you're going to be out of the house. So now is the time to practice making decisions. And while I'm here to help you, and I am here to help you, but I can't do it for you. But I trust that you're going to make the right decision. And when you truly do trust that he's going to make the right decision, he will. It may take a few attempts. It's not going to be that easy. But it's a whole lot easier than you pushing him to make a decision that's right for you. That may not be it's all falling together. Because it's all falling together requires him to see that there is a journey to make. And you're not going to make it for him. How long do I let him sit with that? Because, I mean, with, with his sort of history of making decisions, they haven't been so good. Yeah, right. So so 
I can't answer that. I mean, there's not a there's not a timetable. There's not a formula. But if you're saying to him, I trust you to make the right decision as long as you do it in the next 15 minutes, <laughs> that, that's not trusting him to make the right decision, right? That, that's putting a limit on it that really means, that really says, I'm trusting you to make the right decision, but ultimately the decision is mine. And that may be true. Ultimately the decision is yours. Tell him that. Tell him, I trust you to make the right decision, and if you don't make it in whatever what do you think is it what what do you think andrew what do you think is a reasonable amount of time for for me to let you ha- handle this without me get his input that's the whole thing you want him to take ownership of it and the only way to, to for him to take ownership of it is for you to give it over to him and it's scary as a parent. It's very, very scary. But as you said, he's doing well in his other classes. He has the ability to do it. It's just him taking ownership of it. Try okay. it and see. Try it and see. Okay. It's just one of those decisions like when you have to, he's in a really good school. And I yeah. know it's school for him. And yeah. he's saying that he wants to leave that school and go to the public school. Then it's not an option. Then tell him that. That's really not an option. And why? And here's why. That's not an option. So given the fact that we're going to stay here, what can we do together to make this happen? What are you willing to do? And then here's what I'm willing to do. Okay. Okay? That sounds great. Try it and report back, please. Okay. All right. Um, Okay. So so there's thought work in action, guys. I mean, it is... Go ahead. Can I ask a quick question to that? Absolutely. To the end of that, where you're saying, um, I'm trusting you to make the right decision. Yes. If you have a child who has a history of not making the right decision, um, right. and in my case, I feel like my child is one that unless she hits rock bottom or experiences something rather severe, it's not going to click. So how do you get, as a parent, how do you get to your, yourself to a place where you can truly believe that you can trust them to make the right decision if they haven't given you any reason to believe that. Right. And and I hear what you're saying. Is this who is this? Nicole. Okay, Nicole. Um I I was in exactly that same position with my middle child. She had given me every evidence that she was going to make the stupidest decision that a really smart person could make every friggin' time. Because she would pick these loser friends and she would follow them blindly, thinking, oh, I can fix them. And, and the way to fix them is to do stuff for them and follow right along, you know, down the rabbit hole right behind them. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what you're talking about. So, so it's a matter of faith. It is a matter of faith. And teenagers especially can, can feel whether or not you have faith in them. They can feel whether or not you're truly letting go or if you're saying it with your mouth but you're holding on with those apron, apron strings. They can feel it. Right. So first of all, recognize that not truly letting go has had a result. You've tried it. You've tried not truly letting go. So try truly letting go and see what happens. Give yourself the ability to go right back to the way it was. That's fine. It's fine to go back to the way it was. 
All I'm saying is if you try giving them that responsibility, giving them that autonomy, and truly sitting back and saying, I am here as a resource. So the, the, the two things that you say to a teenager are, everything's going to be okay. How can I help? Not, okay, I'm going to help you here. Mm-mm. How can I help? You determine how I can help. That way they take autonomy for it. I believe in you. We're going to try something different. I'm not going to bail you out anymore. We're going to try something different. There's this crazy lady that I talked to on the phone, and she says this is going to be good for us. And you know what? As it is right now, it doesn't feel good to me. Like I worry about you all the time, and I'd rather just love you instead of worry about you all the time. So I'm going to choose to just love you, and I'm going to choose to trust that you're going to make the right decision. And I'm here for help when you ask me, and it's going to be okay. It's going to be new. It's going to feel kind of weird at first, but it's going to be okay. I know in my heart of hearts that you are strong enough to handle this, and you can ask me for help at any way along the line, and I'll be happy to help you. But I'm not going to jump in and do it for you anymore because it's not working. It's not working for either one of us. We're both frustrated. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And it worked. I mean, Nicole, it, it really, like, it took a while. And she told me, she wrote a, she wrote a story about it, actually. Um, and for her, it was with her weight. Um, she was overweight and felt crummy about herself, and she kept eating crappy stuff. And um, it was a very specific thing. And I chose the weight because it didn't involve those other people. Those other people, those those other, you know, we turned. She had one friend that we called that little crackpot. That little, no, I'm sorry, that little pothead. That little pothead in Nashville. That's what that's what our term. And so I didn't I didn't want to go there. Okay, I wanted to focus on the thing that was at the very base of it, which was her self esteem was so low because she was heavy. She was doing things, acting out because of that. And so what I told her was. Baby, this is not my struggle. This is your struggle. I've had my weight struggle. You know, I am the last person in the world to advise you on weight struggle because I have my own struggles with it. But I'm here to help you. Anything you think is going to work, you let me know. Any way I can help, I'm here to help you. But this is not my struggle anymore. And it started with the weight, and then she chose different friends, and then she chose to apply herself to school, and then she chose that school really wasn't her thing. So she finished with a 3.0, which, you know, I I graduated with a 3.8, summa cum laude. I, you know, that was hurt my heart that she graduated with a 3.0, but it's her 3.0. She did it, and she learned many, many, many other things besides what was in books. And she's employable. She learned things that made her employable. Right. And and it started with me giving it over to her. Okay. Okay. And if you need more, you know, more kind of scripts for that, um, email me. Okay. Okay. Mhm. Anybody else? Thank you. That helps. Great! Yay! All right. Um, is everybody going to handle on the change cycle personalities, and everybody figured out where they are in the cycle? Okay. Yes. Have you labeled your all of your family members too? 
No. So, that might be an interesting an interesting exercise. Not as a not as a way to, you know, pinhole them, but just as a way to connect with them. As I said before, the change cycle personalities, the the benefit of it is to find a point of connection with people. And if they're reacting out of fear, um, say they're a square four personality and something has changed and they're really snotty and, and biting your head off, knowing that, hey, they're approaching square one, they're scared to death, and they're acting out, and it's not about me. That is really valuable because then you don't create an additional situation on top of the existing situation because you're ticked off at them being disrespectful to you. You let it roll off your back and say, this has nothing to do with me, and you stay calm. That's hugely important with teenagers. Staying calm in the face of their drama is the way to help them. Climbing into their drama with them does not work. I've done it four times. (laughs) It hasn't worked once. (laughs) Four times you know, like to the sixth power because it's four kids. But still, it, it just it doesn't work. Um, and then whenever you're in a square and you know where you are, just remembering that square's mantra can be helpful. Square one, I don't know what the hell is going on and that's okay. Square two, there are no rules and that's okay. Square three, this is much harder than I expected and that's okay. Square four, everything is changing and that's okay. Just sort of saying that as a mantra will beget a sense of acceptance. Okay, I'm here, and this is my mantra, and maybe it doesn't feel so great right now, but this too shall pass because it is a circle, and feeling your feelings about being in that square is really important, especially if that feeling is fear. Blocking fear will only make it grow. Going ahead and feeling it as Jill Bolte Taylor says, um, you know, when you feel an emotion, it passes through your. If you feel it, it passes through your body in about 90 seconds. No matter how strong it is, now it may come back again, but you can handle 90 seconds. No matter what it is, even if it's extreme fear, you can handle it for 90 seconds. Feel it. Um, As far as dealing with teenagers, as I said, I think there are two very important statements. Everything's going to be okay, and how can I help? Those are the most powerful things that I have learned dealing with teenagers, and they work like a charm because both of them settles down that sense of drama that they bring to every situation. Everything is the worst it could possibly be, or it's the best it could possibly be. Everything's going to be okay. How can I help? Hope and compassion are much, much better tools than shame and fear with teenagers. So the more you can handle your own shame and fear, like I did with this whole concussion thing, the more you can handle your own shame and fear and realize that you're doing the best you can, you love your kids and they know it, the better you'll be, the the better off you'll be to handle those ups and downs when they come because they're coming. (laughs) They're always coming, just around the corner. Um, and, the, and the other thing I wanted to kind of tell you guys, and I don't know if this comes up with you, but it comes up with a lot of my clients, is with teenagers, because they're, they're trying to um, 
they're trying to show their independence. They're trying to be young adults. And doing that necessitates separating from you in some ways. And that doesn't always feel so good. And it doesn't always happen in this, you know, beautifully well-spoken, well, Mom, I, I believe that I'm ready to take on this responsibility now. No. What it sounds like is, back off! It's, it often comes with raised voices and slammed doors and rolled eyes and all of that stuff that looks like extreme disrespect. And in, re- in reaction or re- in retaliation to that extreme disrespect, sometimes we have this extreme sense of righteous indignation. How dare they? If I had a nickel for every time I said, how dare she, fill in the blank, <laughs> I would be a very wealthy woman. But here's the thing. It's not that they're, that, you know, that they aren't being, that they're not being disrespectful. That's, they are being disrespectful, okay? But the thing is, when you attack the disrespect, you make another problem. When you very calmly speak to the root of the disrespect, which is often fear, they, don't, they really don't want to do this all by themselves. They really want you to do it for them because it's scary. And so what they're going to do is they're going to treat you disrespectfully so that you lock them down and put them in their room and then they don't have to do it anymore. If you can speak to the root cause of why they were disrespectful to you in a very calm voice, such as, honey, I know that you're upset right now. I totally get that. But when you talk to me like that, it makes me want to completely leave you alone. And if that's what you're going for, you could choose to just say, Mom, I need to be alone right now. That will get you a lot further than back off, Mom. Because that it just makes me feel really crummy inside. And I know you don't want to do that. I know it's just a reaction. So I'm going to leave you alone right now. You come out when you're ready to talk. And that will result in an immediate turnaround, maybe not so immediate. depends on how mad they are. But it also doesn't feed it. It doesn't grow that, that disrespect. It doesn't make a whole other issue on top of the issue that already exists. That works like a charm. Anybody have anything to say about that? I rock. What now? That's awesome. Oh, good. Yay. Yeah, I, I, and it works. It works so very well because I used to, you know, I used to puff my chest out and say, how dare you speak to me like that? And, you know, I used to brag about how I could, I could um, make my kids pop too with just a look, just across the room. And, and I could. I mean, I could do that because I, I was a very strict mom. But now I am a mom that is, I stick to, to what's really important. Those family values, be kind, you know, look out for other people, be the funniest person in the room, um, help those that are less fortunate. All of those family values, if my kids are ticking those off, the rest of it doesn't matter. The rest of it is just them being teenagers. You think they're just disrespectful to you? Oh, my God, no. They diss their friends all the time and they adore their friends. It's not just you. It's just teenagers being teenagers. Anything else come up about that? Okay. Um, 
I also think that of all the tools that we talked about, and is there any tools that anybody needs more explanation of? I have a quick question on the um, the pain piece. Body dousing. Yeah, that. Yes. So what happened? Like, so for me, forward is yes, and to the left is no. Okay. So if I go backward, what does that mean? Well, um, it might be. Did you, when you did your um, your calibration, so to speak? Um, did it go to the left for no every time? Or did it go to the left one time, and then it, did you do it again, or did you just do it once? It's consistently gone left, yeah. Okay. And then so what kind of things are you asking when you go backward? Uh, like right now I'm trying to figure out which doctor to take my kid to. Okay. And so how are you asking the question? Uh Is this the right pediatrician to take my daughter to right now? Okay, so but I'll say the doctor's name. You'll say the doctor's name. So, uh, is Doctor So and So the right pediatrician to take my daughter to right now? Okay, and then and is that when you're going backwards? Some, some, there's three that I'm looking at. So okay. One I went forward, one I went to the left, and one I went backward. Interesting. So the one that you went backward, I would do that one again. And say very simply, take her to Dr. Blank. Okay. Say the shorter the sentence, the better, because your body doesn't, your body's not thinking in terms of words. Your, your body is thinking in terms of feelings and sensations. So you're getting a reading based on a feeling. So the more words you put into the sentence, sometimes it's a little bit confusing, and that may be what's happening. So shorten the sentence to take her to Dr. Blah and do your either three deep breath, breaths first and make, your, make sure you're very centered in your body, centered back and forth on your feet. A little bit of a bend in your knees so you're not locking out your knees. So your body truly can tilt one way or another. Short sentence in the positive, in the affirmative always, and then try it that way and see if that doesn't, doesn't clean it up. Okay. Okay? Yep. And And the... The cool thing about body dousing and the body compass is that it sort of takes the brain out of it. And if you're kind of a smarty pants like me that has spent your whole life thinking that your body is just a um, delivery vehicle to carry your head around, (laughs) because that's what I've been like, Uh, you know, the whole Ivy League all the way and full scholarships and smarty pants, smarty pants stuff. And you're told your whole life that you are your brain. And then your brain starts to get you into trouble because your brain is like, Martha Beck says it best, I believe, your brain is like a two-bit crack horse. (laughs) It will be distracted at the first sign of something better. I like to think of it as like the dog in that movie, Up, Squirrel, Squirrel, Anything. You'll be going down the path, and then all of a sudden something will distract you, and you'll think something completely different. And you can think two different things about the same topic in the space of five minutes. That's your brain for you because it's always, you know, it's always sorting. It's a great sorter, and it sorts for evidence of whatever argument you decide on in that particular moment. 
Your body is not like that. Your body processes many, many more bits of information than your brain can and faster. And it's processing the, those, inf- those bits of information based upon how things have gone in the past, how you've reacted in the past, what's been a good decision in the past, what's been a bad decision in the past, what's led to pleasure, what's led to, pl- what's led to pain. Your body's processing all of those things. So the body compass, that sensation meter, or the body dousing, that sensation that, that you can use as a decision-making tool, it's infinitely more reliable than your brain because it doesn't get sidetracked. And it doesn't tell stories. Your body doesn't tell stories like our lovely big brains do. So I would really encourage, especially if you're a smarty pants kind of guy, or gal, rather, um, to use these body-based tools and just try them. The, the very worst that can happen is you'll save yourself time and energy in decision-making. That makes sense? Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, okay. And then, you know, I, I just wanted to kind of round out my, uh, my bit of a freak out, my little my, <laughs> my concussion um, story saga uh, this morning. Um, when my daughter is you know, just acting so very different. And it's a little scary to see your child sleep you know, 19 hours in a day. Um, and I went in, and I was a little freaked out. And I went into my husband, and I'm like, I, I, this is really disconcerting. It's really disorienting. Orienting. And he said, yes, I, I, I get that. And I said, why aren't you more upset about this? I need you to be upset about this. He goes, well, baby, one of us could stay calm. <laughs> I'm thinking that that's a good idea. Isn't that what you tell your clients? I'm like, oh, shut up, man. Um, but it's true. You know, I went in there complaining, but what I was really doing was asking for help. What I was really doing was practicing those three A's, accepting that the situation really sucked and it's very uncomfortable, and then adjusting to the fact that Am I going to go ahead and continue to freak out or am I going to look at it and see what, what of this situation I need to accept, what I can adjust and what I need to ask for help with and go in and ask my husband for help. And just that, that slightly different perspective from somebody that I trust and love was enough to settle me back down again. So though, that is the, the thing that I would give to you guys that I, that I hope you'll take away from this class is those three A's are really powerful, not only for you but for your teenager. Accept, adjust, and ask for help. We're all in this together. We, are all, you know, we all want the same things. We all want our kids to be happy. We all want our kids to be successful. We want to be happy and successful. And as a result, we can help each other in that. And I said something at the beginning of the call that I really want to do this class again because it's been so very helpful. But I wanted you guys to know, if you want to carry this on in a one-on-one fashion, I do have coaching spots open, individual one-on-one coaching, and I also have mother-daughter packages available. And those are on my coaching tab at my website. So if you want to reconnect with me in in a little bit more one-on-one capacity, that's available. Uh, I'm going to be doing my Londolozzi Big Mother-Daughter Retreat Change Your Life Star Trip um, 
in July of 2016. And then I'm toying with the idea of doing a mother-daughter retreat in Destin, Florida, near my home. Um, I've got this sweet little place that is, uh, can hold five moms and five daughters. And for a, a weekend of yoga and life coaching and bonding. And so I will let you guys know about that. It would probably be the end of January, the first part of uh, February, but i got to check my volleyball schedule first. And um, those are all ways that you can connect with me. You can always email me at any time with any questions about this class or anything else. And I just want to thank you guys so much for taking the time to be here and showing up with vulnerability and integrity and being there for each other. Um, I have had a wonderful, wonderful time. So does anybody have any other questions about the class or, I don't know, anything? Statements? Everybody feel pretty complete? I did, yeah. Yeah? I just learned so much. I'm just really appreciative and and grateful and I feel more empowered to that I know what's going on and sometimes now and, <laughs> and and uh I can kind of know what to expect from myself because I know who I am more. Yeah. That's a powerful thing. It is an empowering thing and you know, I think when we accept ourselves as we are, warts and all, um vulnerability and all, Shame and all. I mean, all of this stuff comes up, guys. It's, it never goes away. You know, I've been I've been doing the change cycle for five years. It still comes up. It still knocks me upside the head from time to time. No pun intended. Poor Emily concussion. Um, but I I I know now. <laughs> oh, poor baby. I know now that wherever I am in the change cycle, it's going to change. This, you know, this too shall pass. Whether it's super, super happy or super low, this too shall pass. And underneath it all is this idea that we are all connected. We're connected by this universal sense of love. And we are connected to our kids with that same universal sense. So when your kid's driving you crazy, Kate, um, know that this too shall pass. And underneath it all is that deeply seated love. And the more we can connect to that, not only the better will our relationship be with our teenager, the better our relationship will be with ourselves. And that's where it starts. Being fully present for yourself and leading by example for your teenager, that's the good stuff, guys. So with that... Um, I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to stop the recording, and I'm going to hang on. Um, If you can stay afterwards and have any other questions that you didn't necessarily want on the recording, you are more than welcome to stay on and ask me. So hang on a second. I'm going to end the recording. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.